Dumbdog have gone where no Irish club has ever been before. It's week six of LOI Weekly. How is everyone out there? This is going to be a special, special show. We're going to have a hero of League of Ireland football and Irish football on later on. We're also going to have Daniel MacDonald. Uh, we're hashtag LOI Weekly on Twitter. Uh, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes. And we want more followers, Dan. We want, we want uh, I'll tell you what we want. We want everyone listening to purge their followers and just add us. And they're going to get a lot of value. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they could just like buy something for us as a present. You know, that's what some people do. I think just to boost their social media presence. Buy something for us. Buy no, buy followers. People do buy, that. Buy followers. Yeah. How yeah. do you buy followers? I, I don't know how you do it, but I see. I see some comedians have been like. There's an inter- There's a very interesting article out there about how comedians like buy hundreds of thousands of followers, and then people click on their page and they, they see, wow, this is a person of like. Of real influence. Reminds me of like, if you watch the Krusty show, you get $40. Jack will not be honoured. <laughs> Which, uh, anyway, I don't know how that came into my head. No, I don't even know how to read it. But I mean, maybe we're not actually encouraging that. We just need to probably, I don't know, spread well, we, the word a bit more. Well, we need to talk about Cork going favourites for the league now. Are they you were in turn across. They are favourites, yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Mm. I mean, they've they've still started. odds against might even be the surprise. Well, it's early days still. You um, did say this is a massive loss for Dundalk if if they go if six they lost, behind. Them. No, it is, and and I I think it's it is significant. I I know um, as much as I say the old cliche, it's early days. You do get the sense that the top teams aren't going to drop too many points this year. I don't think as much as it's a competitive league, as much as much as everyone is fighting for their lives. Um, you know, Cork of six from six without necessarily. I'm not even sure they've played that well yet. You know, I'm not sure they've really clicked in terms of, you know, hit the levels that they have. And okay, Dundalk haven't either. Um, but you know, winning does tend to become a habit. And I thought the way in which Cork won that game was impressive. I mean, uh, okay, Stephen Kenny said afterwards. Um, you know, some strange he, things afterwards. Well, actually. He, he said afterwards. You know, he, he was speaking along the lines of, well, you know, they didn't have that many chances in the match, but. They made two and scored two in the first half. How um, was he talking about water in the pitch in March? Yeah, well, his his point was that the the he felt the pitch hadn't been watered. I've had plenty of uh, water pitches in March. But, well, no, of course you do. You water, March. You, you water pitches. Have, it's been raining like. It's not yeah. exactly, we haven't had like two months dry weather. But his argument was that it wasn't watered. He yeah. was saying that it should be. But I mean, I've had some Cork fans pointing out that they said the watering took place. And of course, pointing out that there was times uh, in, in recent memory in, in Oriel Park with the artificial pitch where like one half of the pitch would be watered and the other half wouldn't be. Um, maybe the half of the pitch where the dog wanted to get the ball moving and, and fizz it around the place. Um, but it, it is the classic. It was post-match. Um, was you know, he rattled? I don't think... I don't know. Rattled wouldn't be the word, but don't, you know, no real competitors like losing. So in the aftermath... Um, you were on a radio uh, show with him lately discussing the newspapers, which is very entertaining. How uh, was how did that go? It went all right, I think. Yeah, yeah it went all right. I mean, very modest. I know, I know you listened anyway, so it's hardly a barometer of how well it went. No, no, we weren't talking about the papers. I did get the sense from Stephen though, like that was the night where uh, he was doing going to RTE as well to do the international FBI international awards. They got a special merit award that night, and I think we have reached sort of the the peak point of wanting to speak about last year. Mm-hmm. You know, last year was amazing, but I think there comes the point where they, they need to move past it. And even speaking to him recently after St. Pat's game, and uh, it was just before the international break started, and a, a sort of a pretty light question about how, you know, well, would you like to see Daryl Horgan and Andy Boyle involved this week um, in the forthcoming international as it was at the time? And and Stephen's point then would have been, well, he'd rather have them at some dock, you know, and they've moved beyond the wanting to reflect on how great last year was and isn't it great for the players. I think it's more so, actually, I think there's a sense of frustration from his behalf. Well, actually, our dog, the dog have to push on and improve again. And they haven't on the base of Saturday. And, and certainly defensively, if you looked at the amount of times they gave the ball away and how Maguire rather caught them out very easily, really. Yeah, no, I think um, I, 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 they were poor goals. And I think, you know, you go back to Derry, um, as well, where you know, poor goalkeeping in that particular game cost them, and they're just conceding really bad goals. Give the ball away an awful lot out of defence. Well, Massey I think, gave the ball away. Both teams gave the ball away a bit. I mean, I do think. I mean, Kenny did make the point it wasn't a great tactical game, and I think I would agree with that. I think both teams were. I mean, Cork in the second half probably invited a bit of pressure and and weren't hugely impressive. Maybe in the last 
15, 20, but they, they just had sort of Bennett and McCormick and enough experience in sort of central areas just to get it done. And no like, Bulger and no... Um, no, McCormick was excellent. Yeah. And, did it, and, and Morrissey had a great game. Morrissey was very good. And I think that spine of the team is what give, would give Cork encouragement. Whereas the dog just, they have spells and games where they look like the better side, but they're just giving very cheap goals away. And Benson's out for two months. How much of a loss is that now? That's huge. It's huge. No, I mean, look, you know, Cork were missing players last week, as you mentioned, so you can't just... You know, training on one player and say that was bad but I mean we saw Benson and McElhenney the week before against Pats and I think they're a duo I mean Benson gets the ball deep moves it quickly gets McElhenney onto the ball uh, when Benson went off they didn't really have that and they actually you never thought you'd say it about Dundalk but they're almost a bit predictable at times they didn't really have any ideas it was and great to see the crowd at the game and Damien Delaney queuing up outside was snapped in uh, the indo as well uh, it, was, it seemed a great ha- did it actually sell Saturday afternoon football to you in Ireland? Um, it's Saturday afternoon football international week with no Premier League uh, does the Premier League matter? yes even yes. in 3 o'clock it goes? yes it does? yes it does okay. I, I think so I, I, I like the idea of Saturday um, maybe in, in summertime but the argument would be then if you're trying to like sell season tickets and be consistent do you just make Friday night your night or do you say hey we'll play Friday for half the year play Saturday sometimes and so on I had this discussion recently with people like Saturday evening worked quite well for the Dock and Pats a couple of weeks ago but well, I, I think ultimately the, big, the biggest seller, Johnny, the biggest seller is good games that people want to see. I and agree. sometimes we shift around times and dates and, and so on. But actually, um, you know, it was a nice day. There was no Premier League distraction. And it's the two best teams in the country as yeah. it stands. And if that doesn't sell, Turner's Cross out, then we're in trouble. And uh, our special guest is nearly here. I was in Inchicore for Pats and 10-Man Rovers um, later on on Saturday. Not a great crowd there, in fairness, for what was a beautiful evening. And it was quite startling that Rovers are 12 points behind Cork already. There yeah. goes that dream, if, yeah. if there were a dream. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Stephen Brady did say at the start that catching Cork was attainable, um, but maybe not Dundalk. And obviously, there's <laughs> a lot has maybe changed since then. Um, I, I've spoken to people who've gone to more Rovers games than me, maybe some of the more recent ones, and, and their argument would be that, that they've been a bit unlucky. And that may be fair enough. I mean, they were by apparently much better, much the better team with 11 v 11 last week and then sending off happens. But it just seems like they retreated into themselves a bit. Um, they were stupid after. as well. The, the sending off was just typical of over the season. They're doing stupid things. And where that comes from, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk talk about later on in the show. But like, it was one of the most idiotic sending offs I've ever seen when they were in control of a game. Are you ready, Dan? I am ready. We're going to be joined by the godfather of Irish football. Can you do a, an impression of uh, Don Corleone? No, I can't. No. I can't. I, I, I like the graphics work. That, um, do you have an orange? I, I actually like the fact that you know we're pretending that we don't know who it is, or that the listeners may not know who it is, even though like, this has been heavily suspense, Dan. You know. uh, people have like iTunes, SoundCloud. Have probably My mother and father could be listening to this. And they just, they just, you just send them a link directly in the, in the dark. Yeah, well, I wouldn't send them a link. No, they'd be sort of shown. It is, but it is something that you do it in newspapers sometimes, like where you have, uh, you try and have an article with a bit of suspense about who someone might be, but then there's a big picture of them <laughs> next to it. You know, so it breaks. Down. I, I feel we've sort of done this here. You know, but uh, but at the same time, you should continue, continue with the introduction. He's a fan of podcasts. A reminder. LOI Weekly Podcast every Thursday. Have you been on that yet, Brian? Will you be on the podcast? I'm sure I will be if I get a chance to get an invitation <laughs> or whatever. I don't know how it works. I mean, do they use someone ring you when you're in your car and say you're on the podcast? <laughs> there you go. Well, the good news is it's an hour long. Keep the phone turned on. I'm sure that call is coming. I can't wait. I always love an old podcast. <laughs> I always love to hear the figures after. Five people listen to you. <laughs> I think we can offer you more than five, right? But what we'll do is when we find out you're on it, we'll promote it very heavily. That should ensure no one listens to it. <laughs> Brian, are you uh, that kind of self-deprecating in general life? Um, I'd like to think so. Others yeah. might think not, but I am. I don't <laughs> take anything I do too seriously except in the preparation but not uh afterwards i don't take it you know i don't i don't um worry about it too much i look at the response to it too much but i i like to think so you know you've uh, you've been widely praised for your articles in the independent actually and uh for somebody who obviously came from football background i have to say i really enjoy them 
Well, there's a lot of people writing <laughs> much better stuff with much uh, wider um, experience of journalism or how it works than I have. Um, Do you enjoy it? No. No? No, I find it. I have huge respect for anyone that does uh, journalism on a daily basis in the modern world. I find it very trying. Have to coming up with an idea that might be slightly different or to try and put some structure. You know, it reminds me of the pain of having to have your Irish composition done for school on a Monday morning when you've spent the weekend going around playing matches and watching sport of all delicious types and Glen and, Rowe. and ar- arriving home on a Sunday night and realising you haven't got your Irish composition done now your English one done and you have to have them done by nine on Monday morning and getting to that and the dread of it all day Sunday you know, just to forget about it Friday Saturday but Sunday so that's it's a bit like that but um, anyway look you know but the it, if it turns out all right, looks okay, and someone gets a laugh, or someone says that's not a bad point, that's fair enough. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't. We know how it's received. Do you otherwise. enjoy your yeah. journalism, Dan? Do I enjoy journalism? Yeah. Well, no, I think Brian. Makes he really good, sold it there. He makes he? some good points about uh, <laughs> the day-to-day uh, grind of of it and uh, the lack sometimes of original ideas, particularly in an international week when the team are in for ten days and you have uh, two games. Where there's what two shots on goal in 180 minutes. Yeah, and, 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 and there's so wide of coverage, and there's so many people are close to it and close to the action. I mean, I haven't been at an Irish team training session or press conference since the day I finished in the gig myself. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not exactly close to it. Although I see a lot of the players regularly when they're playing in England, I might have a slight advantage on some of the other people. But other than that, I'm not. So well, the I, only thing I used to find that particularly difficult doing pre, mm. pre-match stuff. Uh, 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 I, uh, but you know, at least I have the experience of the pressure of it and dealing with uh, continental um, styles of play and so on. But other than that, I, I have the height of admiration for people like Dan who have to join out stuff on a daily basis with tight deadlines as well. With on tight deadlines, a lot, you know, lots of words, immediate reaction things that happen in the night time and have it done by the deadline the the 10 o'clock one just how the how the lads uh, what i have discovered is that most of them are quite inaccurate uh in relation <laughs> to the second half of the match oh, because they're yeah. okay watching the first half of the match it was when about five different fellas said to me i always listen to you when you're doing the commentary on the radio because you usually give a fair description of how the goal actually I've happened. i've heard that myself yeah. have you well i was yeah. a bit surprised to hear that so i understand now why that's the case because they're usually typing the piece in the second half and it's, it's quite hard to watch the match and type and look at your screen and whatever else so you know one 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 of the esteemed journalists actually admitted to me last night that he he didn't actually see um <laughs> he didn't see a, a, a moment in the match that everyone in the stadium seemed to see, see. and I understood why because that's throughout the there's, there's, there's always that terror where like you finish your report and you go to the lift you know the press lift in the yeah. Aviva and you're on the way down the sixth floor and you might you meet someone like Brian or one of the uh, pundits who's actually watched the entire game <laughs> and you hear them make some observation about something in the yeah. second half yeah. or God that sub you know say yeah. oh, last night you know, O'Kane did well. people really? noticed O'Kane did well but you know in general he did great and you're thinking God, when did he come on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, well I, even doing the radio last night, I was at the stage on the substitutions that I was counting. I knew we'd we use the six because Mark brought on four and then he brought on two, but I hadn't. I I'm not I'm not so sharp on on Mark and the blokes who come on. I would I would try to keep a track on them where they're playing, but not necessarily the list. And I said to John Kenny. I think they've only got as far as five. We're in danger of the sixth one coming on and it's only 83 minutes. They've seven to go. And they did. They brought on the eight, the sixth fella in the 87th minute, 88 With minute. a bit of luck, that would have been the end of the game, actually. Uh, oh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. was one of the key talking points from yeah. last night, yeah. I think, because there wasn't much else. Probably, I, 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 really? I missed it. Like um, I was washing my hair, actually, really. But uh, what happened? Did anything happen? I, I, I'll throw it to Brian here. I, I, it wasn't an inspiring 
uh, inspiring you. And I, because I would say, you know, across the entire, I would say, but the last two games, across the entire Aviva Stadium era, actually, crowds at the Aviva has been a, a really big talking point. There has been stadiums, you know, half-empty stadiums for Ireland games. It wasn't the case. It was actually quite a good turnout of people last night, and they didn't really, they didn't get much for it. I don't think. No, well, uh, but look, my my point this morning and some of the comments I made are kind of trying to express the frustration of people who would go to the baller of going to the game of having to buy a second ticket to get the ticket for the Welsh match and going to the game a friendly match expecting that we may have a strong team on the pitch and that Iceland I actually said this morning they made the semi-final the quarter-final of course they were beaten at the Euros but they made the quarter-final so people are expecting to see the best of Iceland and nearly the best of Ireland and they don't get that I mean we were down to you know, Martin, you picked 39 players initially in the squad. Yeah, was it, 37? the provisional, and then he chopped 39. a yeah, handful. Yeah. And, but then Stephen Gleeson wasn't on the 39. Yeah. So, 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 you know, we're down in the 30s in some of our selection last night, and people are paying the full price. And the match should have been advertised as Ireland's C team with a couple of extras yeah. versus Iceland B yeah. with one or two others. I mean, that would have been more <laughs> truthful. Uh, yeah. Add, add for the game, wouldn't it? You know, so the game itself, I mean, there was a lot of enthusiasm by by the Irish team, certainly the um, Icelandic team, but it wasn't a great tempo to the game. There was a lack of. I I, I think there was a, a quite sober atmosphere going back to the Seamus Coleman thing and the, the the whole distraction and the talk about it, and maybe within the team. I think, Dan, you said uh, earlier that there wasn't much training happened between the two games, so there wasn't much but preparation. But that would be normal in your kind of era. You put more emphasis on friendlies, maybe. Um, well, I had to because I was playing plenty of them. I wasn't playing at any finals. But uh, um, generally, we were playing friendlies. We didn't have that situation where we played the friendly after Quickly the competitive. After, yeah. There was one. Mm -hmm. I remember we played Turkey in a friendly after the competitive game, and I did change it, Tim. I think I played six or seven different players um, than the start of the first match. And it was actually a very good match with Torquay. We, we think uh, they rescued the goal. They oh, Sorry, they rescued right at the end, the 2-2 draw. It was a very good game, though. Well, a very entertaining game. I mean, we were filling the stadium at that, at that time. But we didn't have too many friendlies that were after the competitive match. If the friendlies before the competitive match and the manager uses it as a preparation, is he near the team? He'd probably play six or seven and maybe... Dicky about with a couple of other positions, and then you you're going into the, the the competitive match. There's a better atmosphere about it, but when you play the one after, it's it's a flat one. You, why did the players leave? Why did the players go back to the clubs? Why why was Richard Keogh not picked to play again? Why was Stephen Ward not picked to play again? Why is the goalkeeper? Because they've got to go back to the clubs, and don't you don't want to upset the clubs and so on. And oh, for all those reasons. I don't think we should be playing the second did, game. Did you have a say in the friendlies that were arranged oh, yeah. in your time? Did you oh, have a yeah. say? Well, when I came in, I inherited the situation where my first match was away to Scotland, but I think the next ones were lined up for me were the likes of Norway and Canada and stuff like that. And I go, hold on, why are we playing these teams? There's a big world quite close to us of Spain and Italy and Portugal and France. And could we not go and play them? You know, and I knew what the system was in the FEI. They waited for the request to come in from someone, and they responded to that. Whereas I kind of asked, could I do a bit of the hustling? So I used to, when I'd be at UEFA things, there was one or two UEFA meetings a year. There was a technical director's uh, grassroots meeting, and there was uh, the manager's meeting, and there might be the, ma the draw or, or whatever. Yeah. Not that I don't think I went to the draw. I didn't go to the draw. I was in the UAE when the draw was on for the World Cup, watching our under-20s. And that was a bit of a scandal in itself that you didn't turn up for the draw. <laughs> Why go and watch the underage team play at the World Cup in the UAE? <laughs> but anyway, uh, on that... Uh, who, who was angry with that? Sorry. Oh, I think the media weren't too happy. I wasn't around to ask all those very detailed questions on my response <laughs> to the draw on the day. You know, I mean, so what? But uh, and maybe some of my superiors weren't so happy that I actually went to watch football matches instead of being available for a press conference. But um, go go back. Where was I? Where we we started? Oh, yeah, the friendies. The friendly. Yeah. So what I I I would have done a bit of hustling at things and you know approached the. Uh, 
the Portuguese manager and said, would you play friendly in Dublin? Which date would you? And, and he, he, yeah, yeah, they were all good. I mean, we were, we were strong. I mean, Mick had left a good situation. We were high up in the rankings and people respected us. And it wasn't a problem. I remember going to um, Lippy, who had very little uh, English, and asking him, so would you play us? He said, yes, yes, yes. So what the, and we, we, we talked about whatever date it was, whether... Yeah, uh, at that time with more friendly days. It was a friendly date in February. That a lot of countries oh, yeah. couldn't it was play. An August one as well, wasn't there? It was that an August one. There was an April one too, which sounds very strange. Yeah. Now the clubs, clubs were never happy about that one. Would be used to. So I was able to kind of say, "Would you go with that one?" Then come back to the association and say, "Send Italy an invitation." Hence, we end up playing the uh, World Champions. Does it not de- devalue um, international football? Though how many really rubbish friendlies well, we have at the moment? Yeah, we had one with Brazil. It was really yeah. rubbish. It wasn't a ticket to be got for love no money. I never. Uh, you look at old man now in Iceland. Even I when we played England, it was a terrible game. How do we end up playing old man uh, three times? Dan, you might be able What's to answer that. Di- Actually, <laughs> oh, I, I just noticed old man. A man were in a tight one last night. They beat. Bhutan, <laughs> barely. I thought Bhutan was actually a gas, but it's not. It's, uh, <laughs> but they beat, they they beat Oman. It was tight for most of the match, but it finished fourteen nil for Oman last night. So Oman were at their own level in that game, but and it might mean that we're going to play Oman. Bhutan. The joke uh, will be on Bhutan. us and Bhutan no. come to town next oh, We might play lads. Oman home and away. <laughs> Coming up shortly. Yeah. Don't miss it. We sell you two tickets <laughs> if you like for the price of I, one. I think on the reciprocal, like we're due three trips to Oman at some stage <laughs> in the yeah. next couple of years. But yeah. the, the point I'm, I'm making is that I, I mean I think some of these friendlies now actually probably are just arranged, um, you know, commercially. And I wonder because Martin O'Neill the other day in his press conference he did make some reference to friendlies being arranged. And I, I don't know. I did, <laughs> I'm not sure if I got the sense that he's you know, they're going to New York to play Mexico now in. Um, on June the first, two I days before th- the we play Uruguay, match. and I, I mean Ireland haven't played an away friendly I think in three years. By the time it comes to that, there's a huge commercial element. People buy their season tickets; they want to get games in the Aviva. But that's why I was asking. I just wonder: is there a structure to the organisation of the friendly games? I get the sense now they're just maybe foisted upon the manager. Maybe. Yeah. And, I, well, uh, there's certainly the commercial. I mean, I know it was quite valuable in my time was that the, the television fee was quite important to the association at the time. And, and then I remember I got a call from an agent about the possibility of us playing Brazil. I went, yeah, we'd have a, I'd like to have a go at that. So Fran Rooney was the CEO at the time. I chased Fran on it. I said, look, this guy's been on to me. Says he can get us Brazil. It cost, I think it was a million at the time. I'm sure there might be a deal on that one that we, we could do. But what about having Brazil in Dublin? You know, yeah. The world champions at the time. It was absolutely fabulous it was. What did you make of Horgan and Boyle last night? Well, moving on from Brazil to Horgan and Boyle and Dundalk, <laughs> I think is quite apt. But... Uh, I thought they did very well. I thought, you know, when when Hogan benefit, benefited from the introduction of Ewan O'Kane and Stephen Gleeson, we then started to pick up the ball in the middle of the field and get it out to the wild players. Uh, Johnny Hayes was starved of possession when he played on left wing earlier on. But when Hogan came on, we were now starting to play a bit, get the ball out to him. He got a bit of spare ball and he used it very well. Three good crosses. We didn't get on the end of them. Uh, he looked looked confident and comfortable at that level and um, I, I, I look we were all delighted for him I think anyone who's watched his progress in the League of Ireland Andy Boyle come in uh, less prominent looking did quite well one loose pass when he advanced into the midfield as he used to Dundalk he picked out an Icelandic player tried to tread the truth of one to think the Shane Long but defended his, his side very well was strong and, and you know he's not the most um I'd say vocal of centre halves. He, he kind of does his job in an unfussy manner, very competently. And I thought that's how he looked last night. But great to see the two of them get. Well, if you look pitch. at O'Brien last year, I mean, when he was taking on Legia, when they were taking on Zenith, um, most of the goals Dundalk gave away were were totally avoidable mistakes. They actually restricted these world class strikers to very very few chances. And Boyle shone out. And admittedly, he was helped by the back four at the time. But you would argue that you know what Horgan and Boyle were facing last year, Iceland's a step down from that. Actually, that's well, not to notwithstanding yeah, the championship. I, I, when people used to make a case to me for League of Ireland players playing the national team, I always my my thinking on it was that it was too big of a step to go from one week playing against Strada, Finn Harps, Sligo, Cove, whoever to the next week playing against Slovakia, Slovenia, France, Serbia, whoever it might be, that that step. Now, if you're playing 
if you were playing regularly in European football, like for instance, some of the smaller nations where all the play, players are home based, they play all the European matches. They're in the European matches at the early stage. They're playing all the international matches to get used to the pace. Look, you know, I don't like to keep bringing up the Pharaohs, but even the Pharaohs, the players were all home based. <laughs> They, they weren't scared by playing France and Serbia and Italy. I was scared that we were going to get a thumping, but the players were kind of like... And you invariably oh, yeah. didn't as well. Yeah, yeah. We, got a, we got a couple of thumpings now, I can tell you. <laughs> we got, got a hide one night in France. We were lucky to get out a 5-0. We were lucky to get out at nil even. It could have been a minus 10 sort of a situation. Well, I'll put it to you this way. But, but yeah. the point I'm making is players get used to that level. Mm. The Dundalk players got used to playing at the Champions League, Europa League level this year against quality players. And they were showed they could do it consistently against those players. And I think that 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 frame, the Martins thinking and watching them, as much as any manager would lo- look at that level and say, hey, God, they're able for it. Sure. So, well, if you were Ireland manager now, have you any League of Ireland player in your squad, present League of Ireland player? McElhinney, would you have Maguire? I wouldn't have Maguire yet. I think his level was the under-21s. He scored regularly last year. I wouldn't. McElhinney's uh, obviously a complex one, but... Well, I like McElhinney. You know, I used to be in trouble with our, our national broadcaster in recent years because when I'd pick my team of the season, at the end of the season, my uh, McElhinney didn't get into it. He was in my team every year, and I said the last two years, don't ask me for my 11. You ignored me the previous two years just because none of you go to enough matches and see him. And, uh, that yep. was me sitting on the fence. But uh, I, I thought he was outstanding for Derry in a... In a Poorish team struggling for results since he's gone to Dundalk. Took him time to get going last year. Stan can confirm he, he, he started the season with a bit of an injury. Took him time to get his fitness. Eventually played a, a very important part in, in the league win. And now he seems to have moved on since there. I think he's a potential senior national player. I don't know what his situation is vis a vis Northern Ireland and all that. It might be one of the those. The switch hasn't, ones. he was going to switch, but the switch has never actually gone through. So as it stands, he's a Republic of Ireland player, you know, so he would be eligible for selection. But I suppose the point is they don't have European football till later in the year. I think the point you're making, could you take someone from the league now, maybe taking Johnny's question, and put them into a squad in June? I mean, could, 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 would that be yeah, conceivable? It's probably unlikely that yeah. he's going to go ahead of any of the ones that have played. If we, yeah. over, over the two games this week... Uh, how many players have you used? Close to 28. God, I think, I think pretty much 28. 28 yeah. borderline so if you're not in that 28, you're likely to come in at this stage. But again, it might be another one with him that he needs to go back playing at a higher level. The response that's happened with Boyle and Hogan. In fairness to Martin, he, he, he already acknowledged them while they were at Dundalk. But since they've gone to Preston and they're playing at a competitive level every week, Boyle has now gone into the team. And Hogan has been doing the stuff regularly since he got there. And they, they must have had some impact on the results as well. You see where Preston were when yeah. they went there, and now they're on the edge of the playoff and, and the, situation. The, the impact of their absence seemed to be felt in Cork last Saturday. Uh, McElhinney was shackled down. We, we talked about this earlier, but uh, you, you did feel at the back, Dundalk just didn't look that solid. And Maguire really was the threat every time he went for any run in behind. And Shepard destroyed, I mean, the, some of the mistakes they made. But what was your, you were at the game. Um, Stephen Kenny didn't think it was a great game. What did you make of it? I didn't think it was a great game by the standard of some of the games that we saw. I mean, neither of the cup finals were very good. You know, uh, Dundalk. And the, That's more to do with Cork than Dundalk, isn't it? Yeah, but you, you know, he, Cork, John Caulfield, John Carter, they're entitled to put out their team to play the most effective way. And they're winning uh, the battle at the moment. They are. And they, they, they deserve to win the weekend. But the, the penalty decision was a, was a key moment. The non-penalty decision with the foul cut off uh, McNulty close to half-time was, was crucial to the overall results. If Dundalk had got a penalty and scored a penalty and gone in at a 1-1, I think, you know, it may have put a different flavour on it. Um, the match Dundalk I think they're missing Hogan they're, they're missing Boyle they're missing Ronan Finn they're missing the combination they're missing in fact Macmillan hasn't been fit yet I presume that's why he's not playing I don't know for sure come on in the match on uh, on Saturday and had an immediate impact different type of player than Kilduff although he played with Kilduff when he came on um, Shields missed a lot of matches Mrs. early Stephen on O'Donnell. Miss Benton now for two Stephen. months Missing Benson now, but what well, you know, Benson would have been playing up until recently. Missing uh, the goalkeeper changed. Sava started the season. Gary Rogers in didn't cover himself in glory at the weekend. So 
you know, you're looking at 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 minimum of four changes from the best eleven last year, maybe five. That's a lot of turnover. That's a lot of a lot of change in one one not one summer, one winter. It's a lot of change. Do you see anyone else challenging? Is it a two horse race? Well, unfortunately, uh, for the good of the league, at the moment it just seems like it's the same three as last year. That Derry Rovers well are twelve be points behind. Uh, well, Rover, Rovers have uh, have lost four games out of six. I think that's the biggest surprise, the biggest disappointment. But again, from their point of view, they've had a tough start in terms of games. They've you know lost to the Dundalk already, lost to Derry, lost to Cork. So they, they, they've played in the fourth section of 11. The best time to measure the table is after the fourth section of 11 games when everybody has played everyone. It's even better after 22 when you've played them home and away. But it's a good gauge after 11. You can't say, well, they've played hard games and we've played soft games and teams near the bottom and all that. So on that one, Rovers saying, well, we've five games to go. Can we get five wins? and get ourselves back into the pitcher with 21 points? 21 points after 11 is... A little bit short of what you need on an average to be up there in the league. Just, just, well, just generally. I mean, obviously the Dundalk story last year captured a lot of imaginations, and it was certainly one of the most enjoyable things to cover. I know Air Sport did a lot of the games and so on. Um, but where do you think the league is overall at the moment? How would you assess the overall strength of the league? If I was to say to you right now, is it in a, is it in a good place? Where is it relative to ten years ago, maybe even? Sort of 15, 20 years ago when you, you left it as a manager, you know, where would you assess it now? Um, oh, well, well, just I'd say go five years back, it's better than it was five years back because we had a spell after recession and the withdrawal of, of, of the clubs from full timeism. Yeah. Is that word, is it? I just think it is full now. Time yeah. <laughs> when the clubs were full time, majority of clubs, we had better level of football, better tactical. Um, knowledge around the league, better results in Europe consistently by all the clubs that play it. You know, it was a range of clubs. It wasn't just it wasn't just Bowes under Stephen Kenny or Shells under Pat Fellon or Drogheda under Paul Doolan or Cork under Damien or, or, or Pat yeah. or, or Pat's under the various managers. It it was all the clubs were capable of getting results in Europe. So after that spell we went back. A lot of young players coming into the league, a lot of the more senior experienced players dropping out of the league, not playing, retiring, some of them getting into coaching. And now we've come back where some of those players have now got experience again. The, up again, the likes of, yeah. of, say, Kenny Brown, the Greg Bulgers, players who were young UCD type players, not saying they were all playing for UCD, but those sort of players yeah. like Benson, McElhenney, you know, starting to come through, Sean McGuire coming back after experience of being away. Um, I think we are the better of that now. That spell, I think we've got better players, more technical players, managers and coaches, more uh, more knowledgeable. Sure, so you're missing the strength and conditioning, though, Brian. Is that not? I mean, did you do any gym work when you were manager? You know, you look at the oh, at doctors. those times, yeah. Uh, even ten years ago, how much gym work did they do? Even even I would before, say, before I would Kenny at Dundalk, I'd say there was a fair bit going on. I mean, Pat's, you know, Pat's and Cork might have been head of the posse at that time. In, in, Pat Olin's time at Pat's, they were already doing a lot of gym stuff. A lot of the, the full time team, they were already moving on. I think there was there was there was strength and conditioning work, and there might not have been as much emphasis on the titles. There's a lot of things going on in football now that have fancy names, yeah. and they were being done for years and years, and we had no names on them. But <laughs> I was even talking to a pal of mine this morning, met, and he was telling me some of the first training sessions he ever did when I, I was managing. Shell's B team around um, 81, 82. And he said, some of the stuff you were doing, he said, I used to be in bits after, in bits the next day. And I said, what? I said, and now they call it plyometrics and dynamic running and so on. He said, then we used to just say, oh, Jesus, this stuff again, you know? And we hadn't got names on it. Where did you get all that stuff back in those days? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I used to watch my dad training boxing teams. Was the boxing a big deal, like, in terms of it didn't didn't have a factor? No, no, no. But uh, I, I don't know. I just, between, if you remember, I walked with Nola, Riley and Noel had had the experience of working with, with, with Giles uh, at Rovers. You know, I'd seen, been through a few managers as well in Shelbourne when I was a young fella and different trainers and so on. I'd see little bits and pieces where I talk, but I had an instinct myself of what was right about the fitness of players, agility, coordination, 
balance, things like that. And we had no equipment to do it. You know, we hadn't even BBC, as we refer to now, balls, bibs, and Collins. <laughs> we wouldn't have always had lots of bibs or Collins, but we'd balls, sometimes soft, 40-watt bulb as the lighting. So you had to re-improvise. I always say, the best coaches, give me, give me the guy who has two balls, and on the night, one of them's a bit soft, and there's only a 40-watt bulb <laughs> as the light. Now, the pitch isn't too great, and he's 24 players. Now put on a training and coaching session for me and see how that is. And that can be the test. Do you, do you miss it now? Uh, I've always wondered about Pat Dolan as well, you know, and yourself, just the influence you had on the league. And you see, that, to my mind, the league is stronger than it's ever been at the moment. Do you miss it? Well, just go back on. Do I miss it? Do I miss it? I miss managing. I miss coaching. I miss directly working with players and achieving results and winning. I I miss that. I miss, you know, I used to have things in my head about come home with the medals, you know, <laughs> and I still say that. Someone say they're doing great, and I say yeah. Well, if they come home with the medals, then tell me about it, right? But I love that, and I miss that, and I don't miss the pain and the hurt I used to feel about not winning and about being half responsible for the results. The league is in a better position than it's ever been. I don't think so. The crowds are quite... No, no, no. Just me. in terms of quality better. of football. Now. Okay, yeah, but you've got to take a balance on it. Dan, we, we were discussing there, how was it overall compared to 10 and 20 years ago? Obviously, crowds are down substantially despite the... Um, there, there, there was 7,000 at the game uh, oh, early a, on the season. It's an I think there's I know it's, it's, a, it's isolated. Yeah, but um, if you added up the other five games of the weekend, there probably wasn't 7,000. We, we have to be realistic about crowds, Dan. You know, Dundalk is a town of about 40,000 people, right? Dundalk have three or 4,000 at but their games. I think the point Just is that Dundalk aren't really they're, they're, the case study at the moment. They're not the case study. No, okay. because they're top, they're top, or you know, they've been top of the three, you know, for three years or four, take, four or five take years. Take Galway. You've, you've, you've football, hurling, rugby, you've so much else going on. Galway United, grand, we're getting around 2,000 at our games, maybe even less. I it's think not, that's not, not true. I, I saw figures for We 2,000 at our first home average, game yeah, and the last game was average. on a Monday night, just for argument's sake. 650 people Yeah, but that's part, that's part of the problem. Your game was on a Monday night yeah. in, in the Champions League. Yeah. Why was the league fixing my, it clashed with Man United and Chelsea that week? But you might have said, right, well, why not playing the Tuesday? It was the week of Champions League European football. Why weren't why didn't the league fix that set of midweek matches for last well, week when there was nothing on? To, to be fair, they are moving moving away from, from midweek games as a general rule because yeah, but they haven't moved away from yeah. them the last three years. They've stuck yeah. them in when no one knows they're on. They're like a state secret, the <laughs> matches that are on. on a Monday <laughs> and they, why didn't they play them this week when the international was on and people could have gone to well, the games well, I, on Monday or Tuesday I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it to you this way right when I started supporting the League of Ireland the amount of negativity I got day in day out for supporting the League of Ireland never hear it anymore I never the only negativity I hear is from people who support the league not the outsiders because of Dundalk and Cork last year and people watched and said this is not bad at all I'm going to watch this and the, the, the factor in terms of how people view the league has completely changed it's, it's completely changed well I'm delighted to hear that but, but I mean, I'm, to my, mind, my anyway. negativity is only frustration that people don't love it with a passion that are running it. We don't have we don't have people who talk about the league in the FAI except in a it's a, a troubled child attitude. That's what frustrates me. I want people to care like the managers care. I want people to care the way some of the journalists care, like we care, like I care about it. Like I went down to see Pats and people have a go at me, you follow Pats. I do, but I love the league. I went down to watch Finn Harps and Pats two weeks ago with all sorts of plans after the match to meet people and have a bottle of orange and so on. I went away. I dribbled down with the ground. Nobody annoyed, there. frustrated at the numbers of the match, but the Pats were beaten. I cared about it. I was delighted for Finn Harps because I want to see them. They're up out there and it's a hard one. But there's not enough people running it who cared about it. They're doing other jobs. There's other things that matter to them. And we need a dedicated staff, passionate about the league, inventive about the promotion of the league, inventive about the television coverage, Trying to make things happen rather than stop things happening, rather than slip a match in at the don't let you play on Friday night in Cork because there's an international match in Dublin. So what? Or there's an international match in Dublin on a Saturday, so we won't let you play on Friday night somewhere. That sort of rubbish. Let's promote the league, play the matches at the best time for the locality. That that sort of stuff. Are we interfering? The league should be should be on a pedestal. Instead of that, it's subservient 
to all the international teams. Dan, is that yeah? Is that the starting point, Brian? I mean, uh, you, I don't you, know. Yeah, I, I, these are just you no. Know, you know, your passion is sort of like flowing, sort of in, in, in words here, and it's a case of. Okay, if you if I hypothetically say to you that you sit down now and you okay you're sitting down to plot a direction for the league and you're not doing four or five other jobs at the same time that you are plotting a course for the league, what is the, the one thing you think is the starting point that needs to be addressed? <laughs> Maybe one is a, restrict, is a restrictive thing. To I say. think a revolution. Revo- a revolution at the top of how how it's been done, how it's been run, and how it's been completely new thinking, getting the. Uh, the people who are interested in it and the people who are potentially interested in it, I mean the likely sponsors, the likely uh, broadcasters, the clubs, and, and, and bringing them together with a real, a real uh, focus on trying to produce something a bit different. Uh, would you take a role in that? Me? What would the role would I have for any of that? You know, but, but your, your last ten minutes has been, uh, you know, the best promotion you could get of why you care about the League of Ireland. So you, would you not? I be care the, about the, the League of Ireland because of I love the, I love the madness of the match of live <laughs> matches and going to matches yeah. and the fellas and the calls I hear. Not why so would you not take chance. a role in it? I mean, would you? No not one be is a... going to ask me to have a role in it. No one would have it. Uh, uh, Dan, what do you my, think? My, my role is my, my role is uh, is in disturbing. Um, the just the, the, the calmness the apple of just that. Yeah, no, it's not my role. My role is to look at the game and and maybe encourage a few people and be friends with a few people. And but are you, you know, done with football? What do you mean? Are you done, done with football? Is media? I only went to three matches the week. It's, it's, it's easy. Be it's easy. Easier work for papers and work for Air Sport and so on. Are you done with managing? It's you're not. Done with it's not easier. It's not. It depends on how you do it. Whether it's easier. You really. don't come back with a horrible feeling in your stomach because you lost at home to Harps or whatever. No, but that's that's good for you. That could make you live longer. You know that 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 yeah, that stress and desire to make it better the next yeah. week. You know, I think is yeah. is good for you. And I'm not done. I'm 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 not done. Would you go back to coaching? Of course, I would. If I had the right opportunity, the right job, I would. But you know, that's. That's not, uh, not an issue now. It's hypothetical now. That's not coming. It's not yeah. happening. No one's asking me, so it's not. But oh, I, I, I did. I mean, I did. Rec- I, I spoke to the doctor last year. I asked him had he ever spoken to any, and he said he he hadn't. And I mean, do you ever expect to speak? I mean, I think I heard you give an interview recently where you said you hadn't spoken to anyone in the FBI hierarchy in in some time, pretty much since you'd since you'd left the job. I mean, have you given up on? That, that hand ever been extended? That that sort of invitation to sit around the table and talk about stuff ever happening again? Well, that's all someone else's call. The leadership of the FEI are deciding on that for the people, the employees who are working for them. I have, I'm around. I'm at matches. I'm available. I've been at, I've been at coaching courses. I've had to do my pro, pro license yeah. since I finished, and I've had to do uh, the CPD stuff, which I went out to two days in Abbottstown, December, twelve months. And uh, I've done that, so I'm available. But look, I don't need that. There's lots of good people around. There's lots of good coaches have emerged uh, who have gone through the process, have learned from different managers, and gone through the coaching. And they're guiding teams in a, in a successful way. And there's lads working with the underage international teams. So there's a lot of lot of good stuff and good people going on. Whether there's any part for me to play or not is is. Well, it's, I don't say it's immaterial, but that's how it is. And I've adapted to that. And I'm busy. I'm busy doing it because I don't have anything else to do. And because people ask me to do it. I, I'm <laughs> Welcome to the to podcast, to Brian. <laughs> um, to be fair, I think you're doing a lot for the League of Ireland just as you are at the moment. Um, I was in Inchy Core Saturday. Pat's got a massive three points. And was was Liam Buckley under real pressure if they lost that game against Rovers? I don't know is the answer. I wouldn't be close enough to know that, but certainly to be an edginess, the whole thing. Pat's people have got very happy in recent years with the success. Liam did a marvellous job to win the cup. Sorry, won the league, won the cup, won the league cup the last couple of years. Obviously, the, the the his budget has been severely reduced, I think, this year. Massive turnover of players since the cup win and the league win. The whole midfield area is gone now. The defence has gone with Jerry O'Brien retiring and uh, Kenny Brown went off the cock last year. Bulger. So, dramatic. I'd say Liam was certainly under pressure. He looked a relieved man when I saw the interview with him on, on Monday night after the beach, Hammock Rovers. But um, he, he's, done, he's done a superb job for Pats over the last few years, Liam. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good guy. Definitely a good guy. And I, I would argue one of the first coaches to really bring in a passing game in the league in recent years. He brought that in from the start. Uh, I made some controversial 
comments about Pats, which we're now going to play. Um, I doubt you listen to it because you're not a big podcast man, but I think this was week one, Dan, was it? This was this was you setting down. This was, this was as they say in football terms, was you laying down a marker early. It's a debatable one. <laughs> They're a small club as well, relatively. They are quite a small club, Pats. <laughs> if you read Brian Kerr's amazing article uh, there last Monday, Pats are a small club. I've, I wouldn't think they're a small club. In the, in the relative scheme, to Rovers and Bowes, are a We're very club. close to Inchicore here, Johnny. Yeah, this won't be a, so we'll be long out of the building by the time <laughs> this is there. Brian? Look, uh, you mentioned Rovers and Bowes. What are you saying they're a small club in relation to a fan base or football was or the, the stature of the I players. didn't really know what I was team. talking about at the time it yeah. just came out ah, yeah, this, is, this, no, this is a climb down they've never been this relegated climb down. but it, I get the feeling and I've lived in Inchicore in the past for a few years I just get the feeling it's quite a parochial club it, it, it doesn't have that kind of span that Rovers would have across the city Bowes to a degree as well no, well, Bo- sorry, Bowes hadn't got to, that. To a degree. Bowes don't. Bowes have it. Their following is, is, is Cabra Fingless based around that area, Fisborough. That's between I mean, you must remember, Bowes never had huge support as an amateur club. That change to professionalism in the 70, early 70s w- was a massive thing because they weren't used to winning anything. And then suddenly when they went professional, they started winning things and it drew in the crowds. So they weren't always, Bowers weren't seen as a big club until then they started winning things. Pats, you're right about the parochialism, but the people who followed Pats that lived in the area of Inchicore and Drimna and maybe as far as Clondalkin have moved out. And there's lots and lots of support, Pats supporters in, in say, Tallinn. That's so and true. And further out and uh, Lucan and Selbridge and so on. Mm. And there's plenty of people that come from the north side and follow Pats still. But like many clubs in the league, they've got to work harder at doing their... I mean, look, one of the things that frustrates me down there is the clouds have drifted away. Pat sold 11,000 tickets out of the office for the cup final against Derry. They told me they sold 11,000 tickets. Do you remember the Dolan era, though, the, the effort they put into promoting it, which seems yeah, completely yeah. gone? That's right. But then at that time, they had six people working in the office. Pat was a, a great uh, promoter of the league and Pat's himself. He wouldn't let a kid pass by him with a, a, the jersey of a club in England were out admonishing him for not having a Pat's jersey. And it worked. We don't have that now. We need it. We have it from above them. The clubs need help. The clubs have got it. And it's one of the things that frustrates me about Pat's. Last year, I went out and delivered leaflets myself before the first game of the season with a gang of fellas around the doors of Inchicore and Command. I don't know whether you got one or not. You're probably living in a flat, fancy flat and I couldn't get in over the gate of the apartment <laughs> block. I hadn't got the bloody code. You, you know me but too anyway, well. well. no, but that, was a, trou- that was a trouble for us on two nights. We couldn't, we couldn't get in there. But we had a go at it. I reckon we put out about 3,000 leaflets over two nights, a few of us, right? And the, it was promoting the first game of the season with a few of the other fixes. It was a, it was a bill. The, the ones that you said, not another, throw that in the bin. But we tried to keep it in our own area. And uh, it had an effect. The first game of the season was 1,800, I think, last year. The previous season was... That was against Galway United. It was. And the first, the previous two seasons, the first game of the season, they'd had 1,200 after winning the Cup. It drove me mad when I went. So I said, it's such an t- enjoyable rather place, talk uh, about it. Yeah. I'm do it's such an enjoyable place to watch a game, I feel, as well. And uh, just, just talking about Dolan, when I was 15, I think... And I finally discovered about the League of Ireland. I, I found out that Pats were doing this match program that was the old A4 size. It was very unusual, but it was a brilliant production. So I said, I'll ring up Pats and just get them to send me one because I was an aspiring sort of writer maybe at Where the time. Where were you? In Galway? In Galway. Pat Dolan answered the phone in Inchicore. 45 minutes later, he got off the phone. And I was a kid, and I was just like, this is... What coach would do that? And um, a fella as you know pronounced as he became. But that was um, part of the Pats thing. Unbelievable. Though. There's still a bit of it there. Not enough. I mean, I'll, I'll give you one, uh, a funny one about that. Uh, Pack him in on it. We used to have a lotto down on Pats when I was manager. We had to predict the results of the English matches on Saturday. At that time, most would be played on Saturday. Yeah. Predict the results, right? And I used to go to the B match on a Saturday our reserve team and then I'd come back to the clubhouse and with a few other fellas one who became a very prominent referee in the League of Ireland who I won't say his name in case he gets any stick for being a Pats man but with, with uh, Philip Nolan and Jared Tyne we used to go to maybe 1500 there's a lot of tickets looking for a winner I hope we wouldn't get one that we didn't have to pay out after the match to be match on Saturday the first team playing somewhere in Sunday. but that's the League of Ireland as manager yeah. that role what isn't below you. You got to scrap because 
that's just, but that was part of Pat's, and you know, it's part of the way I love when I the see so many people in the League of Ireland, the jobs they're doing, and the guys at the door and the fellas, and you've seen it for years, and they just love it, irrespective of the results, they give their time. Yeah, I mean, that's it's funny because you've had like a, a long career and some great days with Ireland, but I mean, your, your recent article on Harold's Cross got a fantastic reaction. And when you think back to your times in football, are some of those days in Pat's? You know the happiest memories you have, even if there was an element of scrounging around and sort oh. of every week being a different one to the to the previous one. Ah, uh, oh yeah. Look, look. Can you imagine? You know, who was your team? When you were a kid? I remember okay. watching Pats win the league in '96 and was it Paul <laughs> okay. Campbell with the so, free kick late that night. Yeah, still grew up there in the top yeah. of the corner. He wouldn't have been playing if Eddie gone been fifth. But however, and he's still a legend in Pats after. But so Dundalk, you know, you go away, were you? I was still am. Yeah. Okay. So can you imagine? going to your first game and seeing the team playing and that excitement of being brought your first time and the people all around you and the noise and being a kid and whoever brings you with your dad or your mate and you talk about, you know, well, that was me in Inchicore in 1961, sorry, 62, and I ended up, you end up being the manager. I never played a game in the League of Ireland, never played one match in the League of Ireland. Now I played for Shell's B team. I would have been decent enough. Uh, but never got one match in the first time for anyone. For Shells, or I was at drums, the now defunct drums, as me mate always says. <laughs> but I never got a game. So can you imagine being offered a job to manage the club you loved as a kid and never having played for them? So that was it. That was a bit of madness. And then people saying to you, Gee, you'll struggle there. They're only a junior team playing the thing. I remember in my head going, I'll prove a few of these people wrong, right? That told me they're only a junior team. They'll never win anything again. And I kept, that was in my head, driving me from the minute I got into that job. But I didn't actually think we'd actually win something, or win the league. So, uh, we, we were kind of hit the bar in 1988, my first full season. But when we actually won the league in Drogheda in 1990, it was, I'd have almost died happy that night and won the league with Pats, I swear. And then it went on with a lot of trouble, a lot of time. But the supporters kind of stuck with Stuck support me, even though we had a sticky time as elsewhere. We were in the Hearts Cross after the league winning team broke up and went to Shells and Bowers and Rovers and all that, and we lost them because of money. And and we looked like we were going to lose the ground to each car. And I, it was it was a really tough time, but I was determined and I, ha I had to stay loyal to it because I was the one that pushed us to get over because the pitch drove me mad with six foot three drop on it, and I pushed the idea of getting a level pitch yeah. and then the rest of us followed. Anyway, but when we got back to each car, it was a great Magic. day, great day, Magic. and then to win the league again. So those are, you, you know question whether great days did they match anything after that? Yes, they did in their time, but. You know, winning internationally things and being involved in other things was, was brilliant too. But lots of other days were just lovely days. We're going to have to get to tweets, Dan. Yeah, there's plenty of plenty tweets. of them. Probably might overlap with some of those subjects. Well, um, I found this one quite interesting, um, and it's from Carl Riley. Was the first game at the RDS in 1990 in front of 22,000 and they all bore the biggest missed opportunity of all time for marketing the league? Yeah, it was nearly as bad as last night's match, and there was me having a go over it. But uh, it was about it wasn't a great game <laughs> by any any. Uh, Stretch of the imagination, but there was a lot of tension in it. We were playing Rovers, we were champions, didn't want to lose the game. You know, we'd like him to win, but now King was managing Rovers, he didn't want to lose either. So it turned out not to be exactly a goal fest at all. Yeah, and um, Tony Mulraney asked, Well, this is sort of it is overlapping as well, but how good talent wise was the Pats team that won the league in '96 and, and nearly the cup? Um, I'd be inclined to say that the, the two teams that won the league, or the t that team that won the league, were a very good team. Uh, weren't magnificent individuals. I mean, the best individual player, the outstanding player, was Eddie Gormley. And I think in this era, Eddie Gormley would have been the... the, 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 the Stephen O'Donnell, maybe. Anyway. That type. Nobody would have been... I, I, I'd have been the manager shouting he should be in the Irish team. Because Eddie was a very special player. Very, very, very special. special player. Very special player. The best player I ever had outside of the senior international team. Um, very special. When we had, you know, Ozo with great potential yeah. and he fulfilled that after. But they were they were a great group of lads. We'd four Galway lads, which probably annoyed the people in Galway. But, you know, Johnny Glenn did great for us. Noli Mern, it was superb. Great balance with him and Eddie Gormley, Peter Carpenter. 
smashing job of full what, what would have held Eddie back in that time from maybe making the leap was it just the conditions in the league at that yeah. point it just there was no respect Dan then that there is now because we didn't produce results in Europe but now that's the thing isn't it yeah, yeah you know the, because outside the league people I mean I think the the the, the uh, Kevin Doyle one had a big impact on how people in England looked at players in the league. Kevin Doyle, almost instant impact at Reading. I remember he had only gone, and I remember going to Reading to watch him uh, as a senior manager. You called uh, him into a squad, didn't you? I did, my the last end. two yeah. games. I had him yeah. in the squad for the last two games at Switzerland. It's way to Cyprus. But he, I mean, I'd seen him obviously here, but when he went to Cork and he went to Reading, it was almost instant impact. Went to see Max Pretty Monet, seamless. Crystal Palace, and it was fabulous that the strikers were. Clinton was, was playing with, 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 with Crystal Palace, and um, the red fella was playing for... Um, Reading. Dave Kitson was it? Kitson. Yeah, yeah. And the standard of the front players was just brilliant in the match and Kevin Doyle was the best of them for me. And, you know, I think that changed the the, the, the view of a lot of managers. But you had last year as well when you saw people watching the dock instead of Man United in the Europa League and they saw them. But I think know. the interesting point would be that, and I think, as Brian says, the Kevin Doyle, Shane Long, and then you found that when clubs came in afterwards for Bennett and Roy O'Donovan, they actually, they actually paid a bigger price. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the interest when, as it happened. And in fairness, Roy was part of that as well because he, he was at Sunderland and he paid out fees. He would get Colin involved. Healy went up back and forward, you know. Willie, yeah. Willie but Corton inter- has, uh, has actually uh, uh, come in as well. Can I borrow Brian's dictionary? <laughs> yeah. Brian, you do come out with some pearls now. Um, you know, off the top of my head, Dan, I can't, I can't think of them. Well, I think I, this morning, was one Melo- this morning that I, I said, twizzy or something. I think I said this morning that um, the the thing with the people having to pay sixty quid into the match was a bit of a swizz. A swizz. And, and Darren Frehl rang me after. He said, "Jesus, you had to make you upward this morning." So I said, "You never heard that one before." That's a very common one around our way. A swizz. I mean, you're you're getting ripped off basically. I <laughs> Have you heard of that, Dan? I, I. I Definitely was familiar. I've been living around sort of Francis Street, sort of the liberties <laughs> for the guts of uh, you walk down Mead Street for the market on a Thursday or Friday, you'll probably get swizzed a, a couple of, of times. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So we know, see, there, there's the perfect example of how the word works. Yeah. From David Murphy, who's his favorite broadcaster to work with? There is one for you. For me to work with? Yeah, I guess that could be commentator, presenter. Uh, Podcast presenters. Bit well. early days for you, Johnny. Bit early well, days. I was on about you're, no, you're no Stephen Alkin. Yeah. Look, as people know, there's no limit to where I, I might be next <laughs> in terms of getting off. Glad of you said that. Well, look, Glad you, it, you know, I, I, you can work out why that happens. So it's not because I'm busy looking for them. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, I actually think um, I enjoy working with so many people who really really great broadcasters the preparation they go into doing their stuff before the match is amazing it's a great example i think the young people getting into into that type of work people just think you can do it just comes to you you know and like even for me the names and, and people say to me jeez you had a right go with the names tonight you know and i go yeah i did actually but i had a right go with them from early in the day because it doesn't and it's not always easy um the range of names and to say the polish ones are probably the worst but i think actually working with ron jones because I'm, I'm taking this out of out of uh present company accepted and, and people i work with generally in ireland uh i got to work with, with ron jones at afm and ron because he come from a totally different background to myself and he wouldn't have known really who i was when i went to to to, to help work with him from the early stages but yeah, how comfortable he made me from the beginning and how respectful he was of my opinion and what I saw. And yet this man had been doing it for years and years and years, had coached, he had coached at a very high level. He, he'd actually coached Jamaican under-21 international team as well as coaching yeah. cricket in Jamaica when he was there as a school teacher. And he, he was player manager of uh, Aberystwyth Town and other teams in the Welsh League. He'd played at a good level and he sees the game really, really well. He doesn't need anyone with him or an analyst or a co-commentator. And he's just, is, you know, his words, his, 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 his um, r- range of words, his vocabulary. No more than your own. A, well, they're, they're different though, you know. I think his is a, is a, his is a different dictionary he walked out of compared to the Dream the, Dream the Is one <laughs> I had, you know. Ron's BBC one. Anyway, but look, I love all Dana, the boys. Any, any other questions there? 
Is there one player Brian never wished he'd signed for Pats? I presume that means, you know, a player that you, you could have signed as opposed to sort of the hypothetical uh, wider world. Um, well, there was always loads of players on the opposition I would have loved to have, but we, we either wouldn't have had the money or they wouldn't have, you know, the club wouldn't have let them go. And I used to kind of always think that it was it was tough on them that they hadn't had the chance to come into the atmosphere of it. Because I think most fellas who play it down in Pats, and not for just for me, for Pat Olin, for other managers prior to me, there was a special atmosphere about it. Um, there were, I'll tell you who, the, who, who I thought was a smashing player to my time. One of the best players I would have picked in my best 11. He eventually played for Pats well after my time when he, his career was, was fading a little bit. It was Mark Rutherford. I thought he was a smashing player in the League of Ireland for years, for several clubs, for Shells, for Bowes, for Rovers, and eventually for Pats. And I thought, given he came into the league as a young lad coming in from Birmingham and to a rough league with no great respect for him for... You know, for various reasons. Different, a different Ireland. Yeah, a different and Ireland. And still playing as well. And still playing. I saw an article about But he was great. He dealt with it. He dealt. He took the kicks and the knocks, but he showed great skill, great pace and dash and invention. And, you know, we could have done us in the cup final even 96 in the replay. But I, I, I thought he was a smashing player. When I, I, but there were so many good players at Rovers. And, you know, Pat, King, Pat, um, Pat Bourne was running the show at Rovers at that time. And then later on when... They, they went, those players went from Rovers to Derry with Felix Healy and, and Kevin Brady and uh, John Cody and those players. They were they were, they were were smashing players, but we could never afford it. I think it's the early point about, about Eddie was that, I mean, this culture now that Andy Boyle could get the chance to go at 26, practically 25, 26, Daryl 24, but was there a time then that once those guys were 20, 21, you mentioned respect, but once they came back, they were never going to go across again. Was that sort of yeah, almost yeah. a given that once they were home, yeah, they, they, were and they got into lifestyle. They were working, you know, they were working in in, the, in day to day jobs, and we were training three or four times a week, and it was a different different life. There wasn't that respect about them that that maybe that they should have been. I mean, I I felt Eddie should have been back playing at a better level. I felt Paul Ozam should have been playing on the continent, and the more it went more through, more culture down, type of some, Yeah, where the game was a little bit more slower, less less frantic, and more mm. about technique and control and keeping possession I always thought but that didn't happen this is uh this has been a bit of fun and we're probably running a bit over so let's go through the um games for the weekend initially we want to start with the loud derby we also have the Connacht derby a couple of derby games Derby's but, uh, everywhere this derby's everywhere uh this is a it may look a, a formality for Dundalk at home to draw but imagine if they don't win Brian yeah, well, they've had the edge on Drada in the last few years. They've usually beaten Drada fairly convincingly when they've played them. Um, Pete and John Gill are doing are doing miracles with a very small budget, not a very experienced team, uh, dependent on Stephen Elliott, who I think has been a very good signing for them, given the very experience in the front position. Sean Thornton still knocking about in the midfield. Unlucky that Killian Brennan got injured before they really got going at all. Had a couple of good wins in the early stages. Down to reality now, I think four defeats in a row. I think it'll be a tough one for them. I think Dundalk will, will have too much for them. They need to bounce back after last week's defeat. What's Derry Bray going to be like? Uh, where, who's at home? It's Derry. Derry up in Bunkrana. Derry in Bunkrana. It's going to be an emotional sort of night. Well, I, I, I wondered where Derry going to play again this week. How long would it... How long is enough how, time? How long is it... What, what, what can it be? I can't... Do, I can't. Had you envisage. did you ever deal with anything like that as a manager? Uh, I can't remember anything like that happening. But I, I I just remember the shock of hearing it on the day on the Sunday and thinking, thinking back because I, I I looked at the soccer Republic when he scored, when they did the double match on the Monday and he scored on the Friday night against Rovers to win a goal and then they showed him scoring the first goal against the dark and was really quick the header and it, the the whole package was really quick that night. And then I thought about the Saturday I was hearing the score coming in from the draw of the match yeah. to win him four nothing. And he plays three matches in eight days, scores two goals, and the ninth day he's gone. I, I just was so shocked at hearing that. I, I don't know how the players are going to deal with that. I don't know how they've tried to deal with it in training. It's it's going to it's going to test uh, Kenny Shields. I believe <laughs> it, it is. Straight. I mean, I I spoke to Connor Kenner from Bray today just for a piece for the Independent just for for Friday and. 
even for Bray, it's a bit strange. You know, they're going yeah. up there as the away team. Connor was up at the funeral. And there'd be no sympathy for Bray there. That, you know, people... Yeah, it's a sort of a, it's a no-win for Bray in some strange yeah. way. And they, they know they're they're the side going into this situation that's going to be highly charged. And I, there's some suggestion there might be some family members there. And it's just, it's a game they have to, you know, it's, it's a game that has to be played, I suppose. You know, they have to, they have to sort of move on and, and try and concentrate on a football match. But it's, it's certainly a very hard game to talk about, to predict, you know, in the, in the, in the sort of very way we just run through fixtures. Sure. Like, this isn't yeah. a normal game. But it's if, very you, hard if, to if talk you take about it, it yeah. out of that, which is not fair to do that either, on Derry's form, you'd have to say that Derry should win. Although Bray have done all right. What's it? Three wins, three losses. Probably a bit short of what was expected of them. Surprised that they were beaten by Limerick last yeah. week. Cra- Cracker of a game as well. In Limerick, they're playing Cork City. We also have Bowes against Pats. And as I mentioned, going out versus Liger Rovers. Will you go to Bowes against Pats? Or will yes. you go to Shamrock Rovers, Finn Harps? Um, Probably go to Daily Mills. More, more, I haven't seen Bowes, so I'd like to go and see Keith's team. Bose, I th- I, I'm predicting here Long and uh, Crawley are going to do a job on Pats here. I just think that they might they might know what, how to Pats deal with the Pats. Pats have done all right in Daily Mountain the last they few have. years. Uh, just to mention the first thing as well, at Lone Town versus Cabo, Shells v Wexford, Longford v Waterford and Cove v UCD. Brian, you love an old podcast. Are you coming back on the show again <laughs> <laughs> next week? <laughs> I'm There's so much we I'm haven't sure gone through. I, I think. I'm sure I would. I'm sure I'd love an old podcast. Are you going to listen all to it All I need is, no, I hate hearing anything that I'm on myself. My God, I listen to all of you every week but god i don't like listening to anything i'm on like cheapers that must be an awful penance for people to have to listen to that <laughs> well, we stuff. did three minutes earlier on so you can maybe listen to that and then, and then, and then turn it off we're on itunes and soundcloud thanks for listening